How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Well, that is now the challenge for the Western Bulldogs to look forward after their season 2020 came to an end at the hands of St Kilda last week. A lot of discussion about the dogs, what their list looks like, and importantly for dogs fans, what it needs to look like going forward. If they are going to take that next jump from being a finals team to being a premiership aspirant once again. Chris Balkin understands lists back to front, has been involved in many list builds over the journey and joins me tonight here on SEN. Chris, thanks for your time. Good evening. Hi, Jack. How are you going? I'm great. There's um, been a lot of discussion about the dogs since Saturday. I'm sure you've probably kept across it. A lot of debate about where their list is at at the moment. What have you made of the commentary? Yeah, look, it's understandable when you go out in the first week of the finals that uh, there'll be a lot of, uh, I suppose, discussion around where the improvement's going to come from. But they have made improvement this year. I mean, that's got to be recognised and acknowledged in the first instance that they're not a club that seriously should have been competing for a premiership this year, but they're on the way. Uh, And I think to to go out in the first week of the finals, while disappointing, I think they are building towards something fairly special in the next two to three years. On this station yesterday, Jared Waitley basically described, and I'm paraphrasing here, said that Luke Beveridge is trying to build a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. He's got about 925 of the pieces, and he's doing his best to move all of the pieces around to cover each week. Do, do you feel like they are a key plank or two short? Yes, they are. I mean, and it's both in game style, and not in terms of game plan, but in game style according to what the players they have, uh, in addition to what Jared's referring to there with some key planks. And namely... They, uh, they do need uh, another key forward, and we all know that they're likely to get uh, Jamara Eugle mm. uh, Hagen into the club over the draft period. We, you know, he's got an outstanding future, um, but people have to also be patient that he's, he's physically not yet developed. He'll take two or three years as much as he's got natural talent. He'll need time to grow into his body. Not unlike Tim English, who's been a really, really good find for them in the ruck, but he gets monstered in that area as good as their midfield is. So... When you talk about key planks, they do need genuine forwards. Uh, I still would prefer to see Norton go into the back line. I think he's a natural defender as much as he's played a, a handy role up forward. I think his natural instinct is to play defensive footy. That's where he played a lot of his junior football, and I'd prefer him to go back because uh, I think they do need more support down in that area, especially in the key roles. Uh, their midfield is very, very good. Yeah, um, that's their strength, isn't English, it? Well, that's right. I mean, when you've got players like McRae, Bottom Pelly, um, obviously Dunkley uh, and Bailey Smith um, developing in that role. Uh, and when I say developing, he's actually an outstanding player this year as young as he is. So uh, that is very much key to their future, but they need another mature player to play in the ruck, uh, someone who can actually not be monstered like Tim English. I prefer to see Tim spend sort of half his time up in the forward line because I think at the moment his physical uh, fragility, and that's not a criticism, but just in terms of still growing into his body, it's better suited to playing more time in the forward line than playing as a genuine first ruck. I did wonder whether St Kilda would be a bit of a roadmap here for the Dogs, Chris, in that they did the same with Paddy Ryder. And I must admit, I was one, when they brought him in, I thought, well, this will stifle the development of Rowan Marshall. It actually hasn't. So I know they don't fall out of trees, but is that kind of what the Dogs need to try and do, something along those lines? Yeah, I think ideally, yes, Jack. They... They do need someone who can play fairly much at centre ruck role, uh, not so much around the ground. Tim and his mobility uh, is one of his strengths. And, you know, around the ground, you don't get monstered as much because you're playing uh, you know, one-on-one footy uh, generally. You, you know, his mobility puts him in some really strong positions, especially forward of the ball. 
but in the centre ruck contest, it's a real concern. They're, they're genuinely losing a lot of the stoppages where it's a one-on-one ruck contest. Uh, and they need to address that. I'm sure Luke Beveridge would suggest the same. Josh Bruce was the one I wanted to ask you about. I was interested to hear what you said, uh, said about Aaron Norton going back. I was going to ask you the same thing about Josh Bruce. He, he struggled for a lot of the year. Is he the sort of player that could go back? Or you're adamant in, his, in your mind that perhaps the, the forward line needs to focus on him a little bit more? Yeah, look, I, I think you touched on a, a really relevant point there, Jack, that ultimately they've got a talented midfield, but there's still a concern coming out of half-back uh, yep. They transition yep. into the forward half. Uh, as much as they are a quick-moving side this year, they don't use the ball well enough by foot at the moment. And especially if you look at their results this year, we all know it was a very strange AFL season. There was a lot of uh, uh, you know idiosyncrasies, you know, outside what is a normal AFL season, you know, with games being played out of the state generally. Uh, but if you actually look at their results, they they were beaten badly by sides above them on the ladder, but they generally played really well against sides below them. And a lot of that came from the fact that the, the lower sides weren't able to hurt them in turnovers like the, the top sides were. And that's an area that I think doesn't so much come down to uh, the structure of their side, but also the, more so the game plan, that ultimately, or game style, I should say, because you know, Luke's at the cutting edge in terms of his preparation strategically. There's no doubt he's very strong in that area. Uh, Luke Beveridge, that is, but I think they do need to, uh, you know, refine their game style that you know, works within the structure that they have, and they do need to get some players who use the ball better by foot. Chris Pelkin joining me tonight here on SEN. So the West Coast Eagles were the other team uh, that bowed out in week one. Chris, is their window, and I know that that's a term that not everyone loves, but they've got limited time left with Josh Kennedy and Shannon Hearn particularly, and Nick Nat in the form that he's in right now. Is this a year where they could just top up a little bit, much like they did last year? Yeah, you've got to take into account, though, they've got very limited access to the draft. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, with getting Tim Kelly in last year, that, you know, that people who, who think they've just gone over the top, I think, are a little bit premature in saying that. They they had a, a turbulent year, um, both in terms of, the, you know, obviously being away from Perth for, for much of the year. Uh, that puts strain in the off-field area of your club. And I know all clubs had to do it, but it was even more prevalent for, for the Eagles uh, being so far away from home. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, they're still very well positioned to compete for a flag for the next couple of years, for sure. You, you touch on those three players, Kennedy, Hearn and, and Nat Nui. Yes, they are, you know, in their twilight years, so to speak, especially Shannon Hearn. But I think he's every likelihood to go on. Uh, he's very important to them. Uh, they are an outstanding side. I think they're probably a little bit unlucky to lose last week, as, as good as Collingwood were. Uh, and I still expect they'll be competing uh, very much so for the flag next year. And I think they'll be an even better side next year than this year. Did they get full bang for Buck out of Tim Kelly, considering what it cost with two first-round picks? Look, I, I suppose when you go out in the first week of the finals, a lot of people will say no. But if you look at his individual performance, I say yes. I mean, he got better as the year went on. That means meant that he's becoming more familiar with the, the environment in terms of the playing side of things with his, uh, with his teammates. I'd expect big things from Tim next year. Uh, I think people have to take into account also that, you know, Elliot Yeo was gone for most of the year. They missed Huey for a long period of time. Redden was out for a period of time. McGovern, um, you know, Rioli was out for the whole year. Uh, mm. So basically yeah. they've missed some key players to a planks to that last premiership side. Uh, you add Tim, Tim Kelly to that now for 12 months, I think it would be better for the experience of playing with those guys for 12 months and 
I expect the Eagles to be right up there in the top two to three next year. Chris, just before I let you go, given the, your background in footy and, and this time of year, how important it is, what would clubs – I mean, we know that their resources have been cut already because of the, the changes to the cap and all that sort of stuff, but how difficult would it be right now trying to work your way through a list management process when you've got no idea of how big your lists are going to be, cap sizes, and even – one step further, you've got a draft to start to look at where you, you haven't had a look at a lot of the kids this year. Yeah, it's the most difficult year that I, I think on record. Mm. Uh, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to be a part of the first draft back uh, you know, in 1986. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, every year we've had compromises, but this year the compromises are very different. They haven't actually just been AFL um, introduced in terms of, uh, you know, planned of new establishment clubs, et cetera, or supporting underperforming clubs. Uh, the fact that uh, we haven't actually had a lot of these draftees exposed to playing football this year makes it very difficult. You've now had the trade period pushed back to the 4th of November to the 12th of November. Uh, you know, Basically, list managers or recruiting managers are having the toughest season on record, uh, bar none. So uh, they would be going through uh, as thoroughly as they can. Uh, you know, they, they're well prepared, most of these guys. Uh, they'd be looking at tape, uh, obviously, like they would in any other year. But the, the tapes and the, the testing that the players are doing at the moment would be even more important than uh, they are in other years because that's the only exposed form they have, and that is videotape and, and testing off-field. Um, so, look, it is difficult, Jack. But these guys, uh, you know, they adapt. They adapt to whatever environment they need to work in. So I've got full confidence that that's the same for everybody. Yep. Um, while it's difficult... Uh, they'll get around it. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, they've got some big decisions to make. Chris, thank you for your time tonight. As always, we really appreciate your insights and your intel. No worries, Jack. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.